This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the January 9th, 2023 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. Quick hitters. There are several articles that allege in Prince Harry's autobiography he describes quite a bit of drug use and that when he applied to come to the U.S., that might have been an issue. If he admitted to the drug use on the forums, then he should have been denied entry. If he did not, then oops, lying on the government forums is an issue. For the Brits, one poll says that 26% think well of Prince Harry and 64% have a negative view. That kind of sucks. Harry was kind of like a backup quarterback, usually a popular player on a team. Now he is a retired backup quarterback since Will and Kate had so many kids. You would think he would be more popular. Roman concrete lasted thousands of years, while modern concrete does not. The Romans had a secret they did not share. The linked article says researchers believe it was because they used quicklime, calcium oxide, and not slaked lime, calcium hydroxide, and that bits of quicklime was left in the finished product that allowed self-healing as fissures formed in the concrete. I know as much about concrete as I do women, so don't take my word for it. A bacteria has wiped out many beehives, but hope is on the way. A first of its kind for insects, bee vaccine, has been approved. I don't know what the rules are for bees that want to opt out of the vaccine. Rioters storm the Brazilian capital. Spot prices on ocean-going cargo have fallen substantially in the last few months. Major retailers contract for pricing in the spring, so they won't feel the cost really for a few months. Still, I assume lower shipping costs are a good sign for inflation easing may be a bad sign for the overall economic health of the economy. Moving on. I have never heard this expression, but think we need it. Secondhand friends. Folks you know and like, but don't know well, who are great friends with someone you are great friends with. Anyway, secondhand friends moved to Portugal, and I heard two stories recently of the phenomenal health care that they received. Scheduling was easy, service was quick, costs were low, and the cost of insurance was low. It begs the question why we can't have that in the United States. Part of that question always seems to include why can't the United States be more generous, spend more government money on health care? And that is where I have a problem. We always seem to try, try to solve problems by paying more money, which is okay if lack of money is the problem. What if lack of money is not the problem? I link to Statista and use their data to compare per capita healthcare spending in the United States versus Portugal. They offer data for public and private healthcare spending. Statista says that the public expenditure in the United States is over $10,000 per capita, while it is only a bit over $2,000 in Portugal. For private expenditures, the U.S. spends a bit over $1,800, while private health care expenses, expenses in Portugal are the same. I bet there are more ways to look at health care data than cats have lives, so maybe this data is not exactly correct. But time after time, when I look at health care spending across countries, the United States in total spends way more cat per capita than most countries. And specifically, our government spends way more per capita. Healthcare spending is not the problem. Sometimes I hear of long lines in other countries and rationed healthcare. 
If that is not the case, then maybe we just suck at healthcare. I have heard that we spend a huge amount of money on folks in the last year of life. Other countries may decide to throw in the towel earlier and focus their expenditures on folks who can be helped. I don't know. I do know that our government spends way too much on health care not to have a better system. The United States House of Representatives elects Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. Took a while. Looked bad. I don't think we miss much not having a Speaker for four days. The few who heard the January 5th and 6th episode of my podcast know that I changed my view quite a bit and threw some support for the conservative holdouts who were prevented Kevin McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House. One thing I did not mention was that a razor-thin majority with the ability of any member of Congress to make a motion to vacate the Speaker chair could at any time throw the House into the same thing we've experienced the last few days. But I believe that was the policy for most of our history, until recently when Pelosi had a razor-thin majority and made it extremely difficult for a motion to be made to vacate the chair. I like the actions described in the Washington Post-linked article by Isaac Arnsdorf, Mariana Sotomayor, Michael Scherer, and Josh Dawsey titled, How Kevin McCarthy Survived the GOP Revolt to Become House Speaker. The author describes a meeting between McCarthy and three moderates and four of the holdouts, with all seven being congressmen who had worked to bring this to an end. It seemed that they talked and listened. The article says that McCarthy's, quote, offer was to become the 55th speaker by significantly weakening the position and empowering his party's hardliners, end quote. The author article says that McCarthy listened to the holdouts, complained that they were asked for their desired committee assignments, and then that request was used to make it seem like they were being selfish. What did the moderates get? They, quote, gained assurances that the concessions to the hardliners weren't unreasonable and wouldn't be abused. Moderates pointed out to the hardliners that if they abused their power, the moderates would vote with Democrats to, quote, discharge legislation stuck in committees to bring and pass bills on the floor, end quote. There is a history of Republican hardliners going for so much that moderate Republicans work with Democrats for a bill even less to the conservatives' liking. As you read this article, the article in the Liberal Washington Post, it seems there were months of talks and meetings at the end of 2022 between the various factions. No top-down Pelosi-style, do what I want or I will crush you, but conversations. But the holdouts had quite a few complaints about McCarthy's style in the conversations. The term mansplaining was used and promises without a way to enforce the promises. I link to an article by Jonathan Turley titled, The 55th Speaker, Kevin McCarthy is no Nancy Pelosi, and that's a good thing. Let's just read from his article. Moreover, many in the media were honest about what they considered his greatest shortcoming. Kevin McCarthy is no Nancy Pelosi. Some of us sincerely hope so. While Pelosi remains the ideal of many in the media, she tolerated little public debate or dissent. She thrilled her base with such infamous performative acts as tearing up a State of the Union address of then-President Trump. As an all-powerful speaker, she oversaw a series of party-line votes with little opportunities for amendments or even to read some bills, end quote. 
Mr. Turley says he has seen the House, quote, become less transparent, less deliberative with every passing year, end quote. And the money paragraph, quote, the framers saw the House as a powerful forum to address factions in society, a legislative crucible where different interests could be expressed and resolved in majoritarian compromise. The legislative process can inform citizens while exposing legislative proposals to public scrutiny. But that process has been largely replaced with a series of robotic, preordained votes, end quote. Mr. Turley closes by saying the demands by the holdouts were not perfect, but that, quote, today's legislative system is a mockery of the deliberative process characterized by runaway spending, blind voting, and perfunctory debates, end quote. Makes you wonder if the media got the villain wrong in this speaker election story. What will the next two years look like? Messy, most likely. But I think the House is supposed to be messy. Clean is when the House is under the iron control of the Speaker and the party of the Speaker vote as they are told. That gives us some really shitty bills. I'm willing to give Messi a go. I don't want bills that no one has read and spends lots of money and later we find how poorly it was spent. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.